Leaving comfort is rough, but God was so enamored with us that he left the comfort of heaven. That's pretty local. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. So God himself took on a fragile body. God of the universe got the flu and the common cold. He sweated and he bled. He took on haters. He was jumped by soldiers. People spat on him and ultimately murdered him. And in that weak, breakable body, Jesus sat with the contagious and the hurting. He listened, he healed them, he encouraged them, he taught them. And that's where he found us, in the sketchy places you wouldn't take tu familia. And rather than call us hopeless, Jesus pulled us out the gutter, placed hands on the addicted, shady, and diseased people. He looked us in the eyes and called us beloved children. This is the incarnation, God incarnate. God in the meat, God on the block, God on the street. And these are the stories of the people he met. You guys, I'm so glad you're here. Those of you who are survivors of the great February virus. You know, the night before church, um, my phone goes crazy. Like, it just does. So, you know, some people are asking questions. Hey, are we going to have this? Is this going to happen? The night before yesterday, like, my phone lit up just with, hey, not feeling good. Hey, I'm not sure if I can make it. Hey, I'm worried about. Like, we got four lady singers normally, right? All down for the count, right? Um, Like, I mean, you know, one of them is my wife who is at home. Uh, nursing a cold, and uh, she already got a steroid shot, so I don't know if that's like beyond a cold or what. All that is to say, we do holy fist bumps, no holy kisses. We got hand sanitizer over there. Um, it's, so here's what's funny, though. What happens the night before is I start to be like, oh, this is going to be awful. It's going to be so small. Oh, we're not going to have help. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be, we're going to be so weak and like so fragile as a church, you know? And uh, then, you know, I, I look at my sermon again this morning and it's like how God uses the weak. <laughs> so uh, I suppose, you know, w- w- us pastors, when we, when we prepare for our sermons, it's not for you. It's for me because God is speaking to me. So anytime I get up here and I say, hey, you need to do this, like I'm just talking about myself. Like so often, I'm saying, I don't get it. Um, and so uh, I want to say that. Uh, today's a day we have kids in service. We're trying to do this quarterly um, for a couple reasons. One is we want kids to understand what church looks like, and we want them to be excited for church when they grow up. Um, we want them to enjoy this. And so kids, we're excited that you're here today, um, and we're stoked that you're here. And, and kids, if you don't know how to do church, um, if I say something you like, you can always say Amen. If, my, 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 you can say that. If I, some, if I say something good about who God is, you can comment on that. I know that if you're with me anytime we pray, I just, mmm, I just do that sometimes. Like, you're allowed to respond to me though, kids, okay? Um, because uh, that's the way church should be. Like, it shouldn't just be the soliloquy. It should be all of us talking, right? So, uh, I, I want to get this out of the way too. Buenos dias, si necesita escuchar el sermón en español. Tenemos dispositivos de traducción para usted acostada de la sala. All right, so today we're going to be in Luke 18, 15 through 17. And one of the things that we always say is, if you don't know where that is, 
It's okay to look in the front and try to find it. We have Bibles available in the back. We have loaners, and then we have real nice ones that you can take. If you want to drop a few bucks in the offering bucket, bucket for it, that's fine. If you don't, you can have a Bible today that you keep, that you write in, that you highlight, that you make notes in. So um, that being said, some of you guys are auditory learners. That means you like to listen and learn. And so um, the only reason why we want some people to have their Bibles out is because you've got to check my work. Make sure I'm not cheating. Make sure I'm not making something up. Make sure that it's in the Bible. So today, Luke 18, 15 through 17, let me read this to you. People were bringing infants to him so he might touch them. Who's he? Jesus. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Friends, would you pray with me? Father, uh, when we are tired, when we are sick, when we are weak, you are with us. Thank you so much. Not only are you with us, but you use us. What a miracle. God, I just want to come before you right now and just tell you, I feel weak today. I feel weak. And I know there's other people in here who feel weak today. They feel like they've tried. They feel like they've done everything they can. And still they find themselves in a hard place. God, I pray you would encourage them. I pray that you would give them strength. Would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, friends. So it's 2019, right? And today in 2019, we think of things that Jesus said in the Bible as normal. It's really weird this way because everything Jesus said was crazy. The people who listened to Jesus were incensed. They were angry. They were ready to go to town on him because they wanted to fight. Because Jesus was saying things that were not normal, and he was saying things that would make them angry. And so uh, when you look back at the Bible, it's crazy. He says, love your enemy as yourself. Now you could see that and say, love my enemy. No, 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 no. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. No, no, let's talk about that, because that's not normal. But, but we have had the Bible for thousands of years now, so when we read, love your enemy as yourself, we just say, oh, that's normal. It was not normal then. Or how about this? Jesus says, don't even look at a woman other than your wife with lust in your heart. That was crazy. That was not normal. That was crazy. How about this one? Hey, don't be angry or hate your brother, because it's as bad as murder. Now, we talk about that like it's normal now. That's not normal in the time of Jesus. Here's one more. He said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised again. Now, can you imagine at that moment having the guy who's supposed to be the Messiah, who's supposed to rescue all your people saying, hey, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to come back to life. Now, when we read the Bible, it's like we're so used to that, aren't we? Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus was going to die. He was going to be resurrected. That's normal. But at the time, remember the time, no one would say that. Why would someone say that? I'm going to be killed. Like, if I just stood up before you and said, hey, guys, Friday, that's my, my last day on this planet. You wouldn't just go, hmm, cool, okay. No, you would, like, be concerned about me. You'd say, Pastor Dale, we need to talk. We need to get you with the counselor. We need to whatever. Jesus was saying it, and people... We're, people were going insane with it. Like, what is he trying to say to us? So, so here's the thing. Jesus said a lot of things that we cannot just look through the history of time and say, oh, that's normal. So here today in the Bible, Jesus is saying something crazy once again. Jesus says, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. 
Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. That's so normal for us now, right? Like we like to paint like paintings, like on the side of churches with like a rainbow, maybe Noah's Ark, some like animals. And we put, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. It's normal to us. That's not normal for back then. That's crazy talk, okay? Now in the Greco-Roman world that Jesus was in, children were considered expendable. Expendable. If you didn't like your child, just abandon them. It was totally legal. Now there's this guy, uh, Takemjem Ao from India, who I really like, don't like saying his name, but I really like him. He says this, he said, children had no status in society and the disciples did not want their master's time to be wasted on them. Kids, does this make you feel great? The disciples would say Jesus to Jesus, kids are a waste of time. That's what he would say. So here's the thing. Um, kids, can you raise your hand, kids? Any kids in the room? Can you raise your hand? Just hold them up, hold them up high. Look at their scrawny arms. Look at, look at how scrawny they are. Here, here's the thing. Those little arms could not carry, okay, you can put them down, I'm sorry. Those little arms could not carry big old things of barley, could they? No. They were gonna eat food from your plate and then they were gonna not be able to carry stuff. That's what we're talking about. Am I still there? Did I lose you? Is my connection bad? What's going on? You hear me now? Can you hear me? We good? All right, we'll see. You're getting static? How about now? How's that? You want me to take a handheld? Old school pastor? All right. Check, check. One, two. Is this working? Check, one, two. I gotta say, there is something about the Britney Spears mic that I do not like anyway. Um, somehow, Garth Brooks mic, I, I do, you know, I was in a punk band and I, I like to hold the mic. So, here we go. So, kids, I was, say, I was just insulting you and your scrawny arms. Uh, I know that there's lots of guys in here that could call my arms scrawny, but the point of it is, is um, you were considered incompetent till you could carry 40 pounds of barley back and forth back and forth, back and forth to help the family. Until then, you were just a freeloader eating the, eating the food, eating the family's food. You could churn butter. Okay, I don't know if they churned butter back then, but you couldn't do this stuff that they needed. But here's the thing. Jesus says, hey, to me, you're important. To me, you're important. And everybody at that time would have said, Jesus, you're crazy. Kids are not important. They're useless. So we're so thankful, though, that Jesus doesn't see you that way. And friends, kids, we don't see you that way either. So today I have two thoughts on the powerless. Two thoughts for the powerless. In verse, uh, excuse me, point number one is no one is useless in God. No one is useless in God. Now, in verse 15, it said people were bringing infants to him so he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Do you guys know what rebuked it? They, they said, no, hey, stop, get out of his face. Stay away from Jesus. Stay away. You're worthless. Stay away from Jesus. He's got more important things to do. But Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, here we got to do one little like word study, okay? We got to understand what one of these words is. So the Greek word here for infants is brephos, brephos. This means a few different things. It can mean unborn child, newborn or young child. But either way, these kids are young. These are little kids. These are younger than most of you in here today. He means a weak baby, much like Alexis over here. She can't do anything. She can't carry anything for us, but she's valuable. 
We're not talking about, like, you guys know who Zion Williamson is? Okay, he's that basketball player for Duke. When he was 17, he was like 6'4", 240. That's not who Jesus is talking about, okay? That's not a Bephos. That's basically a grown man that could dunk on me when he was probably nine. (laughs) This is an infant. Now, whenever you read a story like this, who do you think we should put ourselves in this story to be? Now, here's the thing. Most of the time, I don't think any of us go, yeah, yeah, I'm Jesus in the story, right? Because if you do, we should talk. Um, Most of the time, we don't do that, right? But oftentimes, I think we put ourselves in the story as the children, don't we? As the children. But I say to you, um, what if instead of us being the little children, we put ourselves in the story as those who are stopping? We're stopping the children from coming to Jesus. I think oftentimes, we're more like that, aren't we? Not just with kids, but with anybody. Kids, what if you are stopping someone weak from coming to Jesus? Are there weak kids around you who you are not, um, who you do not believe are worth sharing the gospel with? Who you believe that if you spent time with them, kids, that it would lower your status with your friends? You might get looked down upon? Jesus might be talking to you, too. This, this is why our family actually chose this school. is because we knew that there were kids who needed help. There's amazing parents here as well. But we felt like we could help empower some who others might call weak, not just children, but human beings. We love the children of this school. We love our kids, but we love other kids too. We love other kids too. So here's the thing. I got my buddy one more time from India, Takadaminjan. Here he goes. This is what he says. Now he's talking about, he's from India, so this is going to be about his context. He says, the church in South Asia has often failed to recognize that children are important. True, we have Sunday schools, but what are we doing about child labor or the many children who live on the streets and are in danger of being drawn into, um, I'm going to edit that, hard stuff? What about children who suffer from HIV AIDS but have no access to health services and hygiene? Friends, this is why our church is doing an Easter egg hunt with prizes, with face painting, with bounce houses for the children of our neighborhood. Because we are saying to them, you are important and we care that you're here and we care that you know Jesus. They need us and we need them. For you younger peeps, okay, um, this also means God has put you in the lives of other children and teens and he desires to use you to reach other children at your school, your college, your homeschool groups. And he didn't put the Apostle Paul around you. He put you around you. He didn't choose some super apostle. He chose you to be around your friends, kids. He chose you. Now, We've talked about kids and how they were thought about. What about infants? That's even another step below, isn't it? As a pastor, I visit babies in the hospital. Like, it's my job, right? So baby's born, I go and I hold the baby. But let me ask you, what are they good for? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) They barely move. You know, newborns can't even smile. They are cute. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm kind of playing the an advocate here, the disciples advocate in here. Um, but like, newborns can't feed themselves, they can't communicate. Hey, I'm gonna be real, uh, real with y'all, they're ugly, okay? So like, if I see most like newborn babies, they're kind of ugly. Now they become beautiful, you know, but they're like, heads are all crunched and like, it's just weird. Come on, does anybody else think like newborns look like aliens? Is it only your pastor? Okay, we got a couple people in here that agree with me. Newborn babies, yeah, they, they're ugly, okay? Um, 
and when I come and I visit you in the hospital, I'm going to be like, this is the cutest little baby ever. I promise you. <laughs> and you're going to know, pastor's lying. Okay, so they can't drive. They can't do laundry. They can't even wipe their own. No, I'm not going to say that. But babies, babies are useless. We are all babies to God. We are all babies to God. But in his power, he chose to use us. He chose us to be used for his glory. We are a church full of babies with mistakes, errors, sins, struggles, and God looks at us and says, I want them. I want them. Isn't that such good news? Hey, we read this last week in Luke 10, 21. Jesus said this. So his disciples just came back to him, right? He, he sent them out to go do on this journey to go heal people, proclaim the goodness, to proclaim the kingdom of God. And what happens? They come back, and Jesus says, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. Who's the infants? It's his disciples. It's his students. He's calling them little kids. He's calling them little babies that can't smile or wipe their... Nope. Um, that's the thing. That's what he's doing. Jesus is saying, even these guys, you are proclaiming your glory in them. Infants, that's us. We are also disciples. We are also students of Jesus. And God looks at us in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, in our struggles, and he goes, I love these infants, and I'm going to use them. That is so good, right? We are the infants in the story. So um, what we call useless, God loves. What we call useless, God wants to use for his glory. Matter of fact, in God's eyes, he would call all of us useless. He could call all of us useless, but he doesn't. He chose to save us when we couldn't save ourselves. And this is the gospel. He has made us more than uh, useless. He's made us useful. But first, something had to happen. That was the gospel, friends. That is when God himself left the perfection of heaven, came to this earth. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. So much so that he was willing to live, leave perfection to come to this earth where there was struggle, where there was, A, the flu, where there was sickness, where there was danger, where you had to work for a living, where there was sweat, where there was a stomachache, when there was abuse, where there was slander, where people would talk about him and say terrible things about him, but he chose to come to this earth. Why? Because he loved you. And when he came to this earth, that wasn't just it. He didn't just live a life like us, did he? He was abused, and ultimately he was killed because he loved us. He was killed because he loved us, because he loved us. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death, conquering our sin, conquering our death, conquering our weakness, conquering our childness. And now he empowers us. When we go to him and say, hey, God, I have messed up. And he says, that's okay, I love you, because you're just like a little kid playing with a fork in the socket. I understand, you're hurting yourself, you're doing things that are not smart, but I love you, and I want to help you, and I want to empower you. And so when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, he gives us his Holy Spirit. Some of you say his, uh, the Holy Ghost comes upon us and empowers us to be more than just kids. And kids, you can be more than just kids, and I believe you are. And that is the glory of the gospel. That we get to be a part of what he's doing now. That he looks at us and says, hey, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them. 
this also means, as a church, we have to do what we can on Sundays to welcome children, though. We have to be welcoming to those who are just like us. Now, when I say children, I mean little kids, and I mean adults who are weak like we were and like we are. Am I right? Sometimes it means you, didn't, you need to empower children. We need to empower children to lead, pray, and participate in the life of the church. It means if you're still going through addictions, we want to use you for God's kingdom. If you're still struggling, we believe you are useful. In our church, though, we are bending towards each other. We call it spiritual yoga or Christian yoga, where we try to do this different thing for others. It's where we bend for other people. And so that means that um, when we don't have just Pastor Dale singing, we do gospel. When we don't have just Pastor Dale singing, which we did this week, we sing songs in Spanish correctly. <laughs> when, when I do it, it's not quite as good. I, I can tell you that. It's okay. I'm working on it. But we are doing yoga for each other. What, 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 why do I say yoga? We're stretching in all uncomfortable positions. Have you ever gone and worked out and felt sore afterwards? Hey, sometimes that means that you're going to stretch for someone else, do something that makes them feel comfortable, them feel welcome in church, and you're going to be sore afterwards. And that's okay. In the same way, we're going to do this for the younger people in our church. Paul John Isaac from Namibia in Africa, he says this. He says, while our cultural tendency is to be stern, tough, severe, and disciplinary towards children, we should follow Jesus' example by being tender, compassionate, and sympathetic towards them. And so young people, we don't always get it right, young people. Can you look at me, young people? Young people, we don't always get it right. We're going to mess up, okay? We're going to do that. I, but I want you to love this church so much that you are excited for Sunday. I want you to be so excited to be here when your parents are like, oh, I stubbed my toe. You're like, well, how do I get a ride to church? That's what I want this church to be. And you know what? If it's not there yet, we need your help. We want your help. I want you to love this church so much that you tell your friends about it, kids. And until we get there, we have work to do as a church, and we want to learn from you. Because we don't see you as weak. We don't see you as weak. We see you as weak in the same ways that we're weak, in need of a Savior, in need of Jesus. But you're also powerful because you have the Holy Spirit within you. And until we get there, we have much to do as a church, and we want you to help us. Because this is your church. Now, so Jesus never sees us as useless or unimportant. He sees you in your struggle, your addiction, your PTSD, and he sees a beautiful tool for his glory. And this is our second point. I only got two, kids. We're almost there. Point number two, never let God not amaze you. Never let God not amaze you. If any of you English people are in here and want to talk about double negatives, I don't care. Never let God not amaze you. Never let God stop amazing you. Verse 17, Jesus says, Truly I tell to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does this mean? What does this mean? This means that we should all be like children in the face of God. Amazed. Curious. Inquisitive. Kids. When I was a kid and I asked my parents a question, I would always end up asking them another question. And when they answered that, I would answer another, I would ask another question. Why? But why? Why do you pay taxes? Well, we need to give money to the government, so uh, we're in compliance with the government. But wh why do you need to give money to the government, though? 
Well, because they use it for programs. Well, why, why do you use it for that program? Well, and it's just this endless thing. We should be like that with God. We shouldn't think we have it all together. We should be amazed by him. We should be discovering new things from him every dang day. Jesus doesn't always give you a straight answer, but I can't remember the last time he, he just said, because I said so. Jesus doesn't say that. Sometimes he'll tell you a story that will get you to stop talking to him, but he never says, because I said so. Now, there's a time when everyone looked forward to all the things we take for granted in Jesus. There was a time when people were waiting. There was about 700 years when Israel said, when will our Redeemer come? When will he come and save us from oppression? 700 years people waited for that. And we sometimes, honestly, sometimes when there's a good game on, we're like, "Mm, I don't need to do something for Jesus that he told me to do. That's the thing. That's the thing. People were dying to know Jesus. People were dying for a Savior. And we think he's like a tiny little part of our day. Jesus is kind of like pizza to us. Like, I could have pizza. I like pizza. Pizza is good, but I don't, like, I can live without pizza. Jesus shouldn't be like that. He should be the air in our lungs. He should be the water we drink. How many days can you go without water? That's like Jesus. How many days, how many moments can you go without breath? Jesus is there, present. Okay, who's texting me? All right, sorry, that might be some of you guys. All right, sorry, I, I have to leave it on. My wife's sick, you know? My bad. All right, so here's the deal. We should be stoked for everything God does. He was born by a virgin birth. The life of Christ contains so many dang healings. The gift of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And sometimes we go, eh, he's all right. How is he just all right? He's amazing. We should be amazed. The, he wants to do healings in our life right now. He wants to deliver you from evil, from addiction right now. We should be giddy. I wanted to do a dance. I didn't do it. Here's the thing. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this movie. And, and uh, I, I know I nerd my, I'm, I'm a nerd. It's okay. So I love Harry Potter. And if you got to... If you got a problem with, with, like, magic and stuff, that's cool. They, I don't think of this as a real thing. It's, a, it's imaginary, okay? Harry Potter, okay. So it's fiction, thank you. My daughter, she's hollering back. Okay, so I love Harry Potter. Now, there's this moment when Harry Potter, he, he gets taken. This is like the fourth movie or something. Oh, the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter goes, and he, he touches this thing called a port key. And he, like, touches it, and he, like, spins around, and he ends up in a new place. And he's like, whoa, it's amazing. But, Harry, you have been going to a witch and witch wizard school for like four years now. Why, why, why are you like amazed that this port key thing happens? Then they go and there's these tents everywhere. These little tiny tents. It looks like Woodstock, okay? So they're going to these tents and then they say, oh, this is our tent. Come on in, Harry. And so Harry walks into their little tent and what happens? It's huge, right? It's huge. It's like this huge castle that he walks into like, dang, this is, a, it's not one of those Coleman things. You know, this is a real mansion that, that Harry walks into. And what does he say? He says, I love magic. Harry is amazed again at magic. He's amazed. But that's all made up. But Jesus is real. And he's doing amazing things right now. He has delivered people in this church from things that are crazy. And we should go, I love Jesus. And we should remind ourselves every day. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says this. It is the gift of God whenever anyone eats drinks and enjoys all his efforts. I know that everything God does will last forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him.
Let me say it again. God works so that people will be in awe of him. Friends, we should be in awe of God because he's done incredible, amazing things in our lives. I don't know where I would be if it were not for God. I don't know where I would be, but I don't think I'd be with my wife, and I think that I would have a lot more problems in my life. I can tell you. And so one of the ways that we need to be in awe is we need to write down and tell people what you have been saved from and for. Don't keep that to yourself. Don't hide it. Let people know about the amazing things that have happened in your life. Read your Bible because it reminds you of the things God has done. Now, it's really easy for a pastor to say, read your Bible. But I tell you, when I read my Bible, I'm encouraged because I'm reminded of the things God has done. And I have to say, when I read the Bible, there are times in the morning when I'm reading something and I say, oh, I love Jesus. That's what happens because I find myself amazed at what he's done. And then we need to celebrate with others. We got to celebrate. If I ruled the world, which I don't, and I want to sing that song now, but if I ruled the world, we would celebrate our salvation day instead of our birthday. Or we would celebrate our baptism day instead of our birthday. April 1999, I was baptized in the Colorado River in Blythe. And it was an amazing experience for me to say to the world, I no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. I belong to Jesus now. I am his. And I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate that. And, and if you've not been baptized, dude, guess what? In April, we're baptizing. We're going to be going to Vacation Island, and we're going to baptize. We already got three people we're going to baptize. Why don't you make it a fourth, a fifth? A let's baptize ten people. Let's write it down, and let's remember it and celebrate it. Okay. Ooh. You know, I think when I have this mic, it gives me, feels like I have more freedom to move around. It's kind of weird. It's like, you know, you, you give me a, a little, little leash, and I can, I can move around. Oh. So our church has to be about everyone else. Kids, are you still with me? You all right, kids? Do you like being called kids? You want me to call you something else? Like, like, I don't know what to call you. Here's the deal. Our church has to be about everyone else. Our church has to be about everyone else. I'm going to tell you guys about um, something, something real personal right now. Of all the places in the world that I cannot stand going to, of all the places in the world that I have nightmares the night before that I go to them. Does anyone have a guess of where it is? Dentist. That's my daughter. She knows. Hey, uh, I, yeah, oh, it's my, my sister said it. Okay. I, no, it's the dentist. The DMV is crazy, but it's the dentist. Okay, here's why. I got a couple like uh, uh, autoimmune disorders or whatever it's called. And you know what they do is they suck calcium out of my teeth. Um, so that my teeth are bad. And um, I'm going to tell you, I went to this dentist downtown. And it was this, like, Russian lady. Um, no, no, I w it, was an, it was a nice, it was a nice complex. It was like Hillcrest slash downtown. And I went to this dentist, and uh, it was my first time moving back to San Diego. And I swear, all she did was yell at me the entire time she examined my teeth. I can't believe I have to do this. Oh, what are you, who, what are you trying to do? And, and she doesn't know that when I floss my teeth, I could break my teeth. She didn't know that. Oh, look at what he does. Look at this. You, who, and I'm like, lady, I'm right here. I can hear what you're saying, okay? And so she is just talking down to me. Tell me how terrible my teeth are. Look at this. Do you see what you did here? Do you see how you, 
And I can just tell you, like, up in my guts, I'm getting more and more like, I'm going to just stand up and leave. Now, I didn't. I stayed. And um, I, I, I was, I mean, I really never wanted to go back to the dentist again. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, it's been a year um, when I should have gone back to the dentist. It was an awful experience. Why would I want to go back? And one of the things I want to say to you who feel weak, to you who feel broken, to you who feel like you have no place in the kingdom of God, to you who feel as helpful as little infants with your tiny little arms that can't carry a load spiritually. For those of you who feel that way, we want you to know that you are welcome here in your weakness. You are welcome here in your brokenness. And I want to tell you about another dentist. They got these kids' dentists. They got one of them. Uh, Like my son went to the dentist last week, and he was like ready to go back. They played him Captain Underpants, the whole time he was being worked on. Captain Underpants. God, la, la. Okay, so they played him that. And then um, there's another one called a super dentist. Okay, they came to this school, and you had this guy dressed in this, like, spandex outfit and a lady dressed in a spandex outfit. And they were talking about eliminating, like, the plaque monster and all this stuff. And they were having fun, and they were saying, hey, we got games in our lobby. We got all this stuff. And I got to tell you, I want to go to the super dentist, don't you? I don't want that lady who was just talking all this smack about me, and I know that she was saying Russian curse words as well, but she was just saying those in Russian. Here's the thing. I want to go to a dentist that cares that I'm there. I want to go to a dentist that looks at my weakness and say, that's okay, let's work together on this. Let's see what we can do to make this better. Church should be the very same way. We should look at your weaknesses. We should look at your weaknesses and say, you know what? God can work with anything, and we're not going to condemn you now, if we have a friendship that, that, that extends over time, we may say to you, we love you, and this needs work. We love you and care for you, and so we're worried about you. We love you and care for you, and so what if we helped you with this? But it can never be Russian curse words, am I right? That's not how church is. If dentists care more about welcoming in kids to the church than us, oh, sorry, I'm going to say that again. If dentists care more about welcoming kids than the church welcomes kids, then we have a problem. Because you know what? Dentists have something really terrible to offer in some ways. And now all the kids are in here like, I'm never going to a dentist. No, there's good dentists. We can go to those. Yeah, you guys get the special ones. You can watch Captain Underpants. But for us adults, we should be welcoming in kids in a better way. And when I say kids, I mean broken people, hurting people, painful people, people who are struggling. That's what we should be. What would a church look like if everyone in church acted like everyone else was more important than them? What would that church look like? It would be gorgeous. Younger people, we need you on the prayer team. We need you helping to greet. I hope one day we will have a worship team to help with the kids, and then one day you'll be up here on the stage. Last time we had you kids getting excited, but it kind of wore off, didn't it? I'm saying to you again, I'm reminding you again, we want you, we care about you, we want you here. Now some of you, I'm talking to you spiritual kids, too, who feel like, oh, I'm just not good enough. We want you here. We want you to use your gifts, whatever they may be. Now, kids, you can go on the playground with supervision. Kids, if that's your jam right now, that's okay. But what if you could do something amazing instead? You're going to inherit this church from us one day. You're going to inherit it. This church will be yours one day. I will have no say what goes on after I'm gone. You will lead it, kids. We want you to practice now. Older people. Now I'm speaking to you older people. Old, crusty people. I'm talking to you. 
There are children who need you today. There are children who need you today. Dads. Older men. Children need you to help be dads. And show them what it means to be a believer that is still strong. I did not have a dad who was a believer until uh, near the end of his life. I I wish I had an example of what that looks like. But you can help with that. Even if you're a younger guy, even if you're a teenager, even if you're in your 20s, you can help show what a godly man is to these kids. Grandmas. Some children don't have stable grandmas. You can be that. Grandpas. Hey, my heart breaks every dang time I read my kids' stories about grandmas and grandpas because my kids have not known their grandpas. They knew them for one year. My daughter knew my, my dad for one year. They need you as older men to show them what a godly grandpa looks like. Single people, please help out families. Please help out children. You can still, you can be that person that is godly that's not a parent to those kids. Finally, I remind you of church yoga, right? We have to stretch and adjust for the person next to us. We have to make sacrifices for the person who is not yet here. Sometimes they will think that church is mean. Sometimes they will think that church is wrong. We sacrifice for those people who are not yet here. What does it look like to be at a church that's not about you? I don't know. But I hope that more and more we can do this. We can say all of us are about others. We can say, you know what? I'm not important. How do we make this about others? So when someone comes to me and they say, hey, I don't really like this, sometimes I'm going to say to you, hey, but this is not for you. Maybe could you pray for the people this is for when you're struggling with that? Because that's the type of church that we want to be. Now, that's not going to make us beautiful in the way that the world thinks it should be. But it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be the type of church that I believe Jesus will be blessed by. Now, Justo Gonzalez, who's one of my favorite commentators from Cuba, he says this. He says, churches in every city are surrounded by people who are almost as vulnerable as infants, unemployed people, people who have never known anything but violence, homeless people without proper immigration papers. We do not openly say we do not want them. We simply set up systems, standards, practices, and expectations that exclude them. By our clothing, we hinder those who cannot dress as we do. By our liturgies, we hinder those who did not grow up in the church. Yet, like it or not, it is to such that the kingdom of God belongs. Friends, God cares about and uses the weak. If you feel strong, then you are called to empower the weak. If you feel weak, he's going to use you. If you want it, he's going to use you friends. May we be a church of weak people that do amazing things in the power of God. Let's pray. God, I I thank you that you use the weak because I don't know what I could do otherwise. I don't know how I could come before these people and share your good news and feel worthy. God, I just don't. But I thank you that you care about us in our weakness. I thank you that you died for us in our weakness. I thank you that you rose again, showing the power that conquers sin and death is the same power that is available to us. 
power to overcome sin, power to overcome addiction, power to overcome abuse, power to overcome so much. God, that you would look down at us and say, yeah, I'm going to use them. That's amazing. God, may we never stop being in awe of you. Lord, I pray that you would be with the many sick people at home right now. Bless them in their weakness. Encourage them in their weakness. Remind them who is Lord of their life with their skinny little arms. Lord, we love you, and we bring to you in this moment of silence our sins, our confessions. We silently bring to you the places we have not done it right, knowing that you are a good God who loves us. Friends, let's confess silently to God. Father, we confess that uh, we are a broken people, that in your sight we, we are all weak and we need your power and strength to live our lives upright and holy. And so often we, we stray from the path, but we have this great hope that you are a God that there is no sin too great for you. There is no depth of depravity that you cannot rescue us from. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to make way for us to be reconciled to God. Thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.